We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey guys, this is Ian Happ from the Chicago Cubs. I'm excited to announce that my show, The Compound, is now part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Join me and my teammates, Dakota Meckis and Zach Short. This week, we welcome Cubs first baseman, World Series champion, Anthony Rizzo to The Compound. Check it out. Subscribe. The Compound on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Blue Wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown. Yeah, you heard it in the intro. It's Candlestick Chronicles, the 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. He is Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today sports media group. And Chris, we have news, man. Yeah, we have off-season news. It's kind of refreshing. Out of nowhere, out of left field, to use a football term, uh, (laughs) a joke because it's a baseball (laughs) term. Hey, we're having fun. Uh, kind of out of nowhere on Monday, the 49ers, well, Adam Schefter from ESPN reported that the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan had agreed to a six-year contract extension that kept him with the club through the 2025 season. So it eliminated the final three years of his original six-year contract and tacked on uh, three additional years to the end. And... I made him a top five highest paid coach in the NFL. Chris, let's get just kind of your initial initial thoughts before we really dive in and, and figure out what's what's happening. Well, it's not not all that surprising, um, right. given that, you know, Jed York loves himself some Kyle Shanahan. He's 
has nothing but good things to say about the partnership that him and John Lynch have formed over the last three years. Obviously, the results on the field speak for themselves. But just in terms of the day-to-day operation, I think things are are really good um, from Jed York's perspective, particularly when you compare things to how they went when Jim Harbaugh was trying to get a contract extension earlier this decade, um, you know, going to the Super Bowl in his second season losing. Um, he wanted to become one of the league's top five highest paid coaches. Jed York uh, pushed back against that. That was sort of one of the root causes of the dysfunction inside the franchise at that time. And I think York has evolved a little bit. Obviously, he's, he's older now. He was in his early 30s trying to deal with a guy. Uh, I think Jim Harbaugh is something like 10 or 12 years older than, than Jed York, maybe even older than that. Um, but there was a, a clear uh, issue in terms of personalities between those two. And I think Jed York learned a lot from it. He probably learned how to uh, manage personalities a little bit better. Um, and so now you look at the 49ers and they're really kind of turning into a model franchise as far as, as far as we know, in terms of continuity, cohesion, um, the way the front office works with the coaching staff when it comes to identifying players, obviously, you know, the front office led by John Lynch does a really good job in helping Kyle Shanahan get guys to, to fill his scheme and, and exactly what he's looking for. Um, so it makes sense that Shanahan gets a new deal and it speaks to sort of how much Jed York, in my opinion, wants to avoid replicating what happened with Jim Harbaugh when the success that they had early in his tenure proved to be unsustainable because in part the, the personalities clashed, um, away from the field, obviously. And then the front office and coaching staff, for whatever reason, couldn't get on the same page in terms of identifying players to supplement the roster as a lot of those guys, those stars on that team, um, either aged out of the league or were entered a point in their career where they weren't nearly as good um, or just retired, whatever it was. Uh, There were a lot of guys who left after Jim Harbaugh, uh, Jim Harbaugh's final season in 2014. That 2015 season was basically a mass exodus. But now with Kyle Shanahan, you get stability. The 49ers haven't extended a head coach since Steve Mariucci in 1999. So if Kyle Shanahan ends up um, being the coach throughout the entirety of his contract, he'll have been with the 49ers for nine seasons um, and Harbaugh lasted four and they haven't had anybody last more than uh, last more than four since Steve Mariucci and George Seifert did that too. Uh, Seifert was a coach from 89 until 96. Then Mariucci took over from 97 to 2002 and then, of course, it's a regular who's who with Dennis Erickson, Mike Nolan, Mike Singletary, uh, Jim Tom Sula for a game. Then you have Harbaugh. Then you have Tom Sula as a permanent head coach for a year. Kelly and now Shanahan going on into his fourth season. So it's really just a move towards stability. And uh, I think one of the underrated reasons why the 49ers haven't been as good or weren't as good post Harbaugh was, I think, just that overall lack of stability. You look at the most stable teams in the league, they tend to be the most consistent and so now entering their fourth season of the regime, um, I think the 49ers are one of those model teams in terms of being consistent and paying Kyle Shanahan, adding three years to his contract, I think um, exemplifies that. If Shanahan gets to the end of this deal to kind of further one of the points you made there, 
if Shanahan gets to the end of this deal, he would be the third 49ers head coach to reach the nine-year mark. Uh, Buck Shaw, the team's first ever head coach, was nine years. Bill Walsh was 10, and then Shanahan would be nine if he made it all the way to 2025. So pretty rare error there. Why did the Niners do this now uh, with three years left on his deal? Why not wait to see how they bounce back from a Super Bowl loss? Uh, Why not wait to see uh, how the Jimmy Garoppolo situation plays out and what this team looks like? maybe in 2022 or 2023? Because I think, uh, first of all, Shanahan probably needed a raise. Uh, Based on others reporting, uh, he was making, I think, in the bottom third in terms of average annual salary. Um, And I think given the fact that he's a young coach, probably widely regarded as a top 10 coach for sure, maybe even a top five in some people's minds, given his age moving forward. So I think... Shanahan probably wanted a raise. Jed York probably had no problem giving him a raise because there's no salary cap with coaches, right? And and like I said, stability is really important. And and as I mentioned on your radio show today, which I was so kindly uh, invited on to, uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Kyle Shanahan is is a proven commodity compared to a lot of young head coaches in the league. He's been calling plays since 2008. He's had top five offenses with four different teams now. Um, in terms of you know offenses that he he's run that he's designed and called plays for so in terms of schematic advantage the 49ers have with him as head coach I mean the track record's there Shanahan has been doing this for a long time even if he is a relatively young head coach and yeah maybe you could make a case that Jed York was was maybe a little bit too eager but like I said there's no salary cap um, on coaches so ultimately it doesn't really matter uh, how much Shanahan is getting paid. The, the only one it really matters to is Jed York, because if, if Shanahan were to um, end up getting fired before the deal is done, I mean, it's a fully guaranteed contract. So um, York would, would be on the hook for that, for that entire deal. And, and clearly York is a believer in Shanahan and I, I'm a believer in Shanahan. Like I, I think he's probably, you know, if, if you were to have a draft, and and we'll maybe we can talk about this or or do this right now. But um, if you were to have a draft, I think you know Shanahan would probably be one of the first three or five coaches taken. And then you know if if you were to just rank him purely on resume, obviously his resume isn't what Bill Belichick's is or even Andy Reid or um, maybe Doug Peterson or some of those other guys. But uh, even still in terms of guys you want coaching your team, I feel comfortable saying I'd probably put Shanahan in the top six to eight. Um, but if I were doing a draft, he'd probably be top three to five. Um, I think so Belichick, I think Jed York think was just Belichick sold. Goes, I think Belichick goes one. Okay. I'm trying to decide if Andy Reid goes two just because he won a, a Super Bowl this year or if, it's because his longevity and he's been a really good coach for a long time. I think it's probably the latter. So Reed probably goes two, and then I think it's probably Shannon. Yeah, the guys I wrote down just sort of grouping. Oh, rate. Doug Peterson's done a really good job in Philly. Yeah, Mike Tomlin. Hands. Um, I don't know if people out here realize how good Mike Tomlin's been. Mike Tomlin's fantastic. Uh, let me look up his, his PFF page real quick. Uh, I want to... the, the insane thing to do with the Steelers is look at their overall. If you go to Pro Football, uh, Pro Football Reference, 
and look at their team encyclopedia. Yeah. It's I'm like on it. Chuck She's... Knoll for a bunch, Bill Cower for a bunch, and Mike Tomlin for a bunch. They've had like five head coaches in team history. So Mike Tomlin's been coaching for 13 years and he's never finished below 500. Man. Man. What he won a Super Bowl in his second season, albeit, you know, sort of, um, I, I don't want to say like riding off Bill Cower's wave, but uh, he was. He you stepped know, into a very good situation. Right, for sure. Um, so and has won, since won a Super Bowl in 2008 and then went back to the Super Bowl in 2010. And look, 10 and 6, 12 and 4, 9 and 7, 12 and 4, 12 and 4, 8 and 8, 8 and 8, 11 and 5, 10 and 6, 11 and 5, 13 and 3, 9, 6 and 1, and then 8 and 8 last really year. really good. Without your starting quarterback, those are really, that's a really solid resume for a guy who's been coaching the same spot in 13 years. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I think the top guys, and Shanahan is probably somewhere in the middle of this, Bill Belichick, Andy Reid, Sean Payton, uh, Pete Carroll, Mike Tomlin, John Harbaugh, Doug Peterson, and Sean McVay would probably round it out. McVay is a little tougher to figure out because he's coming off um, sort of a disappointing year last year, but they did go 9-7. and seven. Um, Yeah, gosh. But so yeah, me, so okay, so okay, fine. You convince me. I'm backing okay. off my not very strong take uh, that Kyle Shanahan is oh third. I wasn't that. I didn't have. I didn't have a lot of conviction in that. And you, you swung me. No, I mean, I, I think that you can definitely make a case. No, I, I, th- I think so too. But I was like, I just don't know who else you'd take. And you're like, hey, here's six guys who you might take. I'm like, ah. <laughs> all right, that's fine. But I think right now, just looking at where Shanahan is in his career, the fact that he's forty. You know, Belichick's in his 70s, um, Reed's up there, Peyton's significantly older, Carroll's in his 70s. Um, I don't, I have no idea how, how old Mike Tomlin is, to be honest. I, I have the information here right Mike now. Mike Tomlin uh, He's is 48. Either... Okay. He's 48. <laughs> you could have told me he was 38 and I, I would have believed it. Or 58 is just one of those things. Hey, um, did you know that Pete Carroll and Bill Belichick are the same age? I did not. I knew they were in the same in the same. That is range. bananas. Okay. Anyways, keep going. Yeah. Um, Wait. No. Hang on. Hang on. This this may not matter for the podcast, but uh, sorry. Let me take that back. Pete Carroll is older than Bill Belichick. Yeah. Yeah. Pete Carroll is just, and somehow finds like a ridiculous amount of energy to to do what he does. It's really wild to be like one of the okay, oldest head coaches baby. in the league and also or actually he is the oldest head coach in the league and also one of the most energetic crazy um but anyway i think uh i think the niners are in a good spot the question so here you asked why did this happen now specifically now talking to um talking to somebody today the 49ers weren't planning on this coming out and i think they had sort of agreed to this deal um, the news got out to Schefter and the Niners initial plan was, was to announce something like this around the start of training camp. Um, and so that sort of leads into the next question. Well, what about John Lynch? Um, I don't know for a fact that the 49ers have entered in negotiations, uh, with John Lynch about an extension and or promotion, but they definitely want to give him, uh, they, they want to give him an extension too. It's a little bit trickier than Shanahan because the raise element um, that was important in Shanahan's extension isn't necessarily as important for Lynch because Lynch was already making a pretty competitive salary, I think somewhere around the top third um, among GMs around the league. So he wasn't somebody who's viewed as like underpaid 
as Shanahan is coming off last, uh, coming off, um, the Super Bowl run in 2019. So, um, I don't know when John Lynch is going to get extended, but I feel pretty comfortable saying that the 49ers want something like that to happen. Um, I just don't know what the timing is going to look like because he still has three years left on his deal and he's probably getting paid about what he's worth, uh, relative to the market, right? So Shanahan was underpaid relative to his market. He got a raise and years added on. Um, I would expect something to happen at some point, maybe, maybe not this off season, maybe over at some point over the next two years. I know there's, there's also been a lot of talk about maybe promoting John Lynch to, to a president, you know, a, um, a uh, head of football ops role or something, something similar to what John Elway has in Denver. Um, I haven't heard that that's in the 49ers mind right now in terms of making that promotion. I think one thing that would spur them to make a move like that would be to keep Adam Peters around. He's our VP of pro personnel right now um, and essentially runs the scouting department and is a very important person. Um, really John Lynch is number two. If there were a market for Adam Peters and, and the, the reason why there isn't is because all the GM vacancies are filled. Nobody's looking for a GM right now. If next off season, somebody were in the market for Adam Peters and he was taking interviews and the 49ers deemed him as somebody they wanted to keep around, then maybe you think about promoting John Lynch to president of football operations or whatever um, and then promote Adam Peters to general manager. Uh, right. That's something the 49ers might be willing to do, but I haven't heard that that's happening um, or that's likely to happen now, given that the market is not calling, is, you know, there's not, there, there aren't suitors for Peters right now uh, in terms of GM openings. So that could happen next off season, which might spur the 49ers to do something, or they just decide to, promote from within if Peters were to go elsewhere. Um, you know, I, I'm not entirely sure exactly everybody's thinking on that. I think the 49ers could probably withstand losing him. They wouldn't want to, obviously, because he's a very valuable member of the front office. But if that were to happen, they could decide to promote from within um, and keep John Lynch as a general manager. General manager, Because you remember, John Lynch didn't serve as a, as a scout for 10 years before, you know, like moving his way up in uh in in a front office role he went from the tv booth to general manager which is rare so this is a guy who's only been a gm for three years so it would be kind of a lot to one year you're a tv analyst the next year you're a general manager three years later um you're getting a massive raise or you know a promotion to president of of football operations that would be a lot and that would be really impressive, but I just don't know that there's the rush for the 49ers to do that. And I think part of the reason why is because Adam Peters, um, there isn't a market for him right now that would pressure the 49ers to give him a raise to GM. Um, so it's all sort of intertwined, but given where we're at right now and the fact that, you know, there's a lot of social injustice stuff happening around, around the country and around the world. Um, there's obviously the COVID-19 pandemic. The 49ers weren't dying to get the Shanahan news out right now. Um, it just kind of happened that way. But I think maybe if they had gone by their timeline, they might've announced contracts for Shanahan and Lynch at the same time around training camp. And, and maybe Lynch happens before 
um, training camp starts or at some point this offseason. We'll have to see. Uh, but the timing in terms of how it happened wasn't wasn't necessarily planned. And I think you could you could kind of see that by the release the 49ers issued when they made the announcement. Um, oftentimes there are quotes from, you know, owners or other people saying this is why Coach X, you know, this is why he's such an important member of our uh, organization. We're so happy to have him. But there was no statement from Jed York or John Lynch in that press release for so that to me sort of indicates that that the Niners weren't exactly like planning this out to leak on a random Monday. I think the plan was initially to announce something like this just before the start of training camp. But um, ultimately, that doesn't really matter. And any questions about um, I don't believe there are really that this is some sort of grand indictment of John Lynch, the fact that he didn't get a deal the same time Shanahan did. Uh, I think Shanahan was just he needed a raise and it was easier for him to come to terms. Um, when it happened Shanahan's 40 he's quickly rising up the ranks of uh, top NFL head coaches and he took the Niners from two and 14 to a Super Bowl in about three seasons and earned a raise I think that's the big takeaway here yeah uh, let's get to a break and and dive into the O-line real quick offensive line but first a word about bet online there's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something else other than sports? BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit BetOnline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Love BetOnline. I can't wait for sports to come back so I can wager on them. (laughs) Same my favorite my favorite hobby you know what Let's, i watched last night for the first time was the um i was in the building uh working the warriors uh game five championship in 2017 ah sure against the cavaliers yeah the cleveland cavaliers i had never watched the television broadcast so i watched the fourth quarter of it last night and it was uh it was enjoyable you yeah. forget uh, like there was like a whole television experience that everybody that everybody had while it happened um, and it and it changes your perspective, so it's interesting from that standpoint. Anyway, offensive line, let's do it. Or if you want to talk dubs, I mean, we can do that. Up to I, I don't really want to talk. I don't have a lot <laughs> to say about the dubs right now. Let's uh, you no know, Kai Bowman breakdown. That's fine. I mean, whatever. <laughs> so we talked to our guys been... Andy Lou and uh, Sam Esfendiari. Yeah, over at Light, Light Years, Years podcast on Blue Wire. So they just did a big mailbag. You should go check it out. Those guys are a lot of fun. Anyways. We've been doing these depth chart uh, deep dives for the for the 49ers 90-man roster, kind of going through uh, player by player, position by position, I should say, and just highlighting some battles and uh, key positions. So go back and listen to the ones that you haven't listened to yet. Today we're going to dive into the offensive line where – the, the locked-up starting jobs are Trent Williams at left tackle, Lakin Tomlinson at left guard, Weston Richburg will be at center, the right guard spot's wide open, and then Mike McGlinchey will be at right tackle. Uh, Chris, I, I, I don't have a lot to say about 
any of the four locked in starters. Uh, if if you do, please step in here. But I, <laughs> I I think that right guard is where we start because Mike Person had been the starter at that spot the last two years. He was let go this off season, and that leaves a, an opening on the on the Niners starting offensive line and several players who can fill it. You have Daniel Brunskill down here as the the fill in for now. I think he probably has the inside track to the starting job since he did play well there last year when when he got the opportunity. But the 49ers signed Tom Compton in the offseason. He has experience in Shanahan's system at guard. Ben Garland, who played center last year when Weston Richburg went down, he also has the ability, ability to play guard. Ross Reynolds, who was an undrafted rookie last year, spent all last season on the practice squad. He can play guard. And then Colton McKivitz, a fifth-round pick out of West Virginia, played tackle in college. But his skill set may force him down. If he's going to be a long-term option for the 49ers, it may be inside. And, and he'll likely compete at right guard as well. And, and then Justin School, who filled in at left tackle when Joe Staley was out last year, he'll probably get some reps there as the Niners kind of try and exhaust all their options to see who the best player is there. If Brunskill is the leader right now, what what percentage is he not what percentage, but how far ahead is he of the rest of the pack? Do you think, is this a close race or is it one of those things where it's like, it's his job to lose? I think it's close. I I don't, I mean, I would imagine he's going to be the first guy to get first team reps, but I also think Tom Compton is going to get some, uh, some first team work, just given, like you mentioned, he has familiarity with the system being drafted when Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator in Washington. Um, I also think Colton McKivitz has a real shot uh, because typically anybody you draft, you feel comfortable uh, or at least you, you when you're evaluating it, you, you tend to give that guy a leg up over maybe some other guys who weren't drafted. Like, you know, uh, Brunskill was a street free agent. So and he was really good. I think he outperformed expectations by far and he did play pretty well at right guard, particularly in, in week 17 uh, against Seattle. Um, but I, I don't think it's necessarily his job to lose or anything like that. I think there's going to be a pretty deep competition between Brunskill, Compton. Um, I don't know if Ben Garland is going to get into that mix because he might get a lot of work at, at with the starters at center because Weston Richburg's coming off another knee injury. Um and you do have Ross Reynolds. Maybe Justin School can kick inside to guard after playing predominantly tackle last year uh, when he had to fill in at, at times for, for Joe Staley. Um, so, yeah, I think it's sort of a – right now, I think it's kind of a three-way competition um, between Brunskill, McKivitz, and Compton. And I think for me, Brunskill would be the slight favorite for right now, but um, I, I'm not like, I don't have a ton of conviction when, when looking at that battle, making a decision. I, I kind of think Colton McKivitz might end up uh, like, put, put it this way. It wouldn't surprise me if Colton McKivitz ended up, um, ended up starting uh, at right guard because he is somebody the 49ers liked enough that they would have taken him in the fourth round of the draft which yeah. is something Kyle Shanahan said after the draft, which I thought was interesting when we were talking about Trent Williams. Um, do you have any thoughts about, about right guard or is it, is it Brunskill for you? 
it's it's Brunskill for me, but it's I, I think all the guys that I I listed and that you just talked about have a legitimate shot. I, yeah. I'm if I'm setting odds on this, all their odds are are probably pretty equal. I think School and Reynolds are probably the two. If you're if you're eliminating any, I think those are the two I'm probably eliminating. But still, I'm not. Like I said, I wouldn't be comfortable writing them off going into camp because I think that job is pretty wide open. I think this 49ers offensive line might be the deepest group I remember the team having since I started covering them. Yeah, and a lot of guys who can play multiple spots, and we'll use that yeah. to transition to the swing tackle spot, which you know it, it says it speaks volumes about how far the Niners roster has come that while we're doing a roster breakdown, we're like, what about swing tackle? <laughs> you know, right. it, felt, it feels like not that long ago that we were trying to piece together a whole a whole defense. But looking at swing tackle, Justin School filled in well for Joe Staley at left tackle last year, sixth round pick out of Vanderbilt in 2019. He did get hurt um, and struggled in the first quarter of the first Packers game, the the Sunday night game in November. Yeah. Um, and then the Niners replaced School with Brunskill at left tackle, and then they started the offense just sort of hit a different gear and then they started blowing the Packers out. So that, that is something that should be mentioned. Sean Coleman, who was for all intents and purposes going to be the swing tackle last year. He got hurt in week one of the preseason. I believe it was on the first drive. He he broke his ankle. Yeah. So he'll be back in the mix. He signed a one-year deal this off season. Then you have McKivitz, who I mentioned played tackle in college He'll compete at right guard, but I also think he'll get some snaps at tackle at his natural spot. And then Brunskill, who you just mentioned, played not only did he play well at guard, but he played well at both tackle spots last year. So so you have to figure he'll be in the mix as well. The the thing that really stands out to me in, in this group is just how many how many players are interchangeable at multiple positions. Like yeah. Brunskill even played some center last year in the preseason. Yeah, so in terms of guys who can play at least four spots, to me it's Brunskill, uh, McKivitz, and maybe School. And then, you know, yeah. with... Yeah, of course. And then Garland can play center and guard. I would imagine Compton could play center if needed to. Um, so, yeah, like, you're looking at it, you know, the Niners are probably going to have eight or nine guys, eight or nine offensive linemen, maybe even 10 because the rosters are expanding this year. But like all of the dudes who are going to make the team not starting, I think are all going to be able to play either guard or tackle. Um, and maybe Garland might be the, the, the number two center, assuming he makes it, but like, yeah, that's a lot of depth and a lot of versatility. And I'm not used to, I'm not used to saying that about the 49ers team. And I think it speaks to um the front office but also Kyle Shanahan like the fact that you know they they had games last year without Joe Staley and Mike McGlinchey earlier in the year and they were fine and a lot yeah. of that because the defense was really good and they weren't playing any good quarterbacks but like offensively they were still fine and it was it was pretty commendable because you you watch those games and you didn't feel like the 49ers against Miles Garrett and the Browns like Justin School was fine yeah and, and here's it the fact that they lost both tackles and the biggest issues they had were injuries at receiver tight end and fullback. Right. That that's if, if 
there are a lot of teams that struggle to put together a starting offensive line. If your team has seven or eight offensive linemen capable of stepping in and starting, that's a massive advantage. Totally. Because there's a lot of teams, and I know offensive line play kind of gets overlooked sometimes, but there's a lot of teams where you lose your left and right tackle, that they're done. Like that derails everything they're trying to do. Particularly, particularly when, when, uh, when your quarterback is coming off an ACL injury. Right. Right. So, right. And it's just so easy to get dinged up and hurt on the offensive line. So having so many players that can fill in well uh, and play at a high level at multiple spots. I think that's, I think that's a, a pretty big advantage when you start looking at the depth on this roster at other spots, the offensive line can't get overlooked. So two questions I have about the starters, and these are kind of big picture things. I also want to point out um, pro football focus ranked the 49ers as having the 14th best offensive line in 2019. Um, in terms of like, I mean, you, there were definitely issues in pass protection I think the Niners offensive line is probably top five in terms of run blocking. Um, but pass protection might've been an issue. I think the reason why they were willing to move on from Mike person was because this is a guy who was entering his, his mid thirties and um, was really probably, probably the weak link of the offense in the Super Bowl and was, you know, a, was a really bad matchup for Chris Jones. Um, but the questions I have aren't really like dire questions it's like will trent williams be as good as advertised after missing all of last year holding out from washington um in 2017 and 2018 trent williams allowed one sack and 11 quarterback hits over 876 pass blocking snaps holy cow so if he does that and plays at that level and is a mauler in the running game like he has been his entire career and has arguably been the best left tackle in football for the bulk of his career, I would say, um, there's a pretty good chance he's an upgrade over Joe Staley. Yeah, And he, he'll be I fresher, so. obviously not playing last year, but there's also like, there, there's a rust factor you have to worry about. Uh, what do you, what are you expecting from Trent Williams? I, I think he's going to step in and be a pro bowl caliber left tackle. Yeah, I agree it's if if he plays on par with what joe staley did last year that that's great news but i i agree with you i think he'll be a little bit better uh for for all the reasons you said i, I have i have no disagreements there all right uh, the the truncated off season to not knock the rust off might set him back a little bit but i think once he's playing uh once he's got his feet under him i i i think he's gonna be fine i don't really have any reservations the other question i have would be um Will Weston Richburg be healthy enough to to be productive? Because now yeah. you're talking about an offseason, the second straight offseason he's missed rehabbing a knee injury. In 2018, he played through it. He started 15 games uh, with a tendon that was dislocated, connecting his, uh, his thigh to his kneecap. Um, he had surgery. He couldn't bend his leg for something like six weeks. That was his left leg. He tore his patellar tendon in his right knee in December against the Saints. He he says he'll be ready um, for training camp. He had surgery pretty quickly after the fact, um, according to our favorite cast member, Nick Wagner of ESPN. <laughs> and, um, and so you have to wonder about Richburg's 
uh, about Richburg's health going forward. And just, you know, when he's healthy, he's a very good center. Um, but it's it becomes a lot more difficult to be healthy when you have now had significant surgeries on both your legs and or knee areas um, in two consecutive off seasons. Um, it's just tough because mobility is such an important aspect of what the 49ers want from their interior offensive linemen or really all their offensive linemen. Um, but center is really important in particular because you have to be lightning quick in terms of um, being able to shade a, a nose tackle or a defensive tackle, which is basically like if, if there's an outside run, you basically have to get outside of that player and wall him off, um, which is really difficult to do. Uh, when you're healthy, let alone, you know, not at 100%, and then get to the second level uh, to block linebackers is really important in the outside zone running scheme. And and Richburg was really good at that, but, you know, there there have to be questions about his mobility and durability going forward. Um, and so that's a significant thing. But the good news for the 49ers is they did restructure his contract. Instead of making $9 million against the cap this year, it'll be down cut in half to about four and a half million so there is that for whatever that's worth um but yeah richburg's health is is going to be is going to be something that uh we'll all have to keep an eye on because um he might be it, it it's just a, it's just a it's situation worth monitoring i guess is the best way i can put it because yeah, he's been hurt the last two years like, he's been hurt yeah that's just that's it yeah is that injury problem and ben garland's fine like he's you know, Ben Garland has his moments, um, but I don't, you know, they, they gave Richburg one of the highest, one of the biggest contracts for centers in the league because they thought Kyle Shanahan thought he could be an Alex Mack type player. Um, Alex Mack, of course, joined the Falcons when Shanahan went, uh, went to Atlanta after coaching Mack in Cleveland um, and gave him almost the exact contract that he got with the Falcons. So, and ironically broke his ankle, which led to a game-changing sack in the Super Bowl. Correct. Correct. Yeah, maybe Kyle Shanahan should stop injuring his centers. Bold strategy. Has anyone told him? <laughs> maybe that was part of the agreement on the six-year contract. Was hey man, yeah, keep your keep your centers. Are we overlooking Kyle Shanahan's inability to keep his centers healthy, and should we be concerned about the extension? From that standpoint, my column. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's enough. That's enough offensive line talk. I think we got the the nuts and bolts of it. If anything else, if anyone else shows out during camp, we can we can talk about them then. But I I, I think the players that that we've named here are going to be the ones that that are most competitive for jobs. And I think when you're looking at Williams, Tomlinson, Richburg, Brunskill, McGlinchey, uh school mckivitz compton garland i think those are the guys that, that you're going to see on the roster other guys who are on the team that we should mention uh just out of respect jake brendel jared jones smith ray smith leonard wester and kofi amicia and i really apologize because i'm sure i completely butchered that name um but those are going to be the guys you're probably going to see on the field in uh in during preseason games in like the second half Correct. And I know very little it's about those guys. And uh, I know Jared Jones Smith is huge, and I think he used to play for the Dolphins. I think Ray Smith played for the Lions. Uh, Jake Brendel started some games for the Broncos. Okay. And 
that's all I know about those bats. All right. Well, we'll know more if if and when we ever get to watch training camp practices. Yeah. Um, but typically the the third string offensive line isn't isn't a great discussion point for podcasts. I agree. Which is why we're gonna end this now. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Make sure to check back with us. Special edition of Old Rush coming up later this week. My boss and a a a longtime Steelers writer, Neil Coolong, is gonna jump on as we break down. The Niners-Steelers Monday night game from 2011. That's the one where the lights went out at Candlestick. Um, Neil remembered it very vividly when I asked if he wanted to come on. He had a lot to say right off top. And uh, I I don't know anybody who loves slash hates the Steelers as much as Neil does. And I'm very excited to get his thoughts on a game where uh, his favorite team scored three points. Neil's my former boss, so it'll be Correct. fun. Right, because I, I do your former job. True. Look at that. Three degrees of separation or whatever. Uh, That's it for the pod. See you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.